0: Yes, this is Karen Rands with the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, and thank you for tuning in. So we're at the beginning of a new decade and a new year, and everybody, just about everybody that has any bone of ambition or striving for success worries about procrastination. I mean, there are some people that don't have it, but that's because they've already done this and you can tune me out and stop listening now. (laughs) But everybody else has a personal struggle with procrastination at some point in their journey. So last week I did goals and setting goals and so this week I thought procrastination would be a great topic because I have, as I said last week, set many New um, ambitious goals for myself, and only way to accomplish them is to stay laser focused and to not procrastinate at all. So, I did a series a while back, the, a success series that was based in part on, on the teachings through Think and Grow Rich with Napoleon Hill. And one of the topics that's in his book is procrastination and overcoming that. And to cover that topic, I had a very successful serial entrepreneur who had had multiple successful entrepreneur endeavors and had started his own investment venture fund, Chris Jones. He gives his bio and his history. And so what I, I pulled this particular show out of the archives and cleaned it up a little bit, took out, you know, extraneous information because it just was such good content. And what Chris shared on the show was really impactful, even listening to it again this time as I was preparing this show for you. So I want you to listen. Uh, Hopefully his tip and techniques. He shares some insights from uh, his own mentor and the things that he's worked with Tony Robbins as well and I talk about Napoleon Hill and T. Becker, and it's just a really great conversation about a- actionable things you could do or actions you can take to be able to not have procrastination be your success killer as you strive for new heights this year so thank you and share it Give me some comments let me know what you think and uh, we'll have a great uh, interview with a venture capitalist next week
1: in the endeavor to cover one of the topics that i know myself i have been guilty of tremendously over the years and that is procrastination i'm going to introduce my guest here in just a moment but i want to set the stage with the idea that napoleon hill set forth when he first wrote his book is that procrastination is the opposite of decision. It is a common enemy which practically every man must conquer. And in today's society we think of our common way of procrastination. I just delay doing something. I intend to go and do it but I just delay doing it. I put it off because either it's a a task I'm not looking forward to doing or it's a task that's difficult that I have to learn new skills to do or whatever that may be. We put off and we make excuses and that is procrastination and of course that leads to failure because we get rushed in doing it. We don't necessarily do it right or we take shortcuts or we don't get it done in a, in a timely manner. So it leads to failure oftentimes. It's interesting that Napoleon Hill um, describes it as the opposite of decision, because I hadn't really thought about that till I started to reread the book and understand my own behaviors. And it ties back into being able to make a decision that's tied to the goals and dreams and the passions and the desires that we have set forth when we set goals for ourselves or have a vision for our future. And it's when we, as we've talked about previously, when you have a thought or an idea or a vision for your future for your company that is backed by strong desire, then you have a tendency to translate that into the physical manifestation of actions to move towards that. And that sets the goal, put the plans in place, the strategies in place, building your team, building your mastermind. As we've talked about in today's world, we think of masterminds a lot of times as our team of advisors and so, or even just within the team itself that you've formed, and uh, it's through that that we are able to have the emotional capability of not even thinking of procrastination as something that is in our vocabulary, so to speak, or in our behavior, and when our guest today, Chris Jones, uh, when I first talked with him about his successes as the CEO and president of Pepper Jam, which was a a full service internet marketing agency and affiliate network that he founded and ultimately sold to uh, eBay, one of most entrepreneurs, particularly the tech space dream, right? Since leaving that, Chris went on to form an early-stage investment fund called KBG Capital, which has invested in a number of companies. We got to talk, and we really weren't exactly sure at the time what I knew I wanted to interview him on this show to share his insights with our audience of entrepreneurs and investors, and uh, there's so much that uh, he can share. When we started talking, it was obvious that procrastination was something that he had a unique perspective on. I encourage you to go to his website, chrisjones.com, and learn more about them. He has a blog he talks about. a lot of his articles, he's been in Forbes magazine. An article called "The Dark Side of the Moon: Why So Many Entrepreneurs Fail," which is a great read. And there's so many things that he can provide some insight to. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Chris Jones. Welcome to
2: the show, Chris. Thanks, Karen. I really appreciate the setup, and and also. I appreciate that, you know, I, I was given the opportunity to connect with you and, and also, you know, for you to provide a platform for us to engage into a conversation about what I think not only in business, but in real life, a lot of us struggle with. And it's, it's, what do we want to do with our life? Who do we want to become? And how do we take the first step? And, and I know, you know that's something that I deeply care about. Um, You know, uh, one thing uh, that you didn't mention in my uh, introduction, which is completely appropriate because it's not something I talk a ton about, but, you know, over the last 15 or 20 years, even though I've been a successful entrepreneur and and I've got uh, a good track record, I've spent a lot of my time, um, you know, on personal and professional development. You know, uh, Tony Robbins says one of his – one of the mantras he used when he was going through – through his early life was, you know, every day and every way I'm growing stronger and stronger. I think one of the perspectives that I have on life and I've had for a long time is that every single day is a baseline. And so for anyone that's out there listening to your show right now, or that might be listening to it in a, in a, in a um, recorded fashion in the future, I want you to understand that, um, you know, every day you wake up, there's an opportunity to, set the stage to live a life that is more consistent with who you want to become and better represents the type of truly want to take. And when you start doing that, when you start asking yourself, you know, what is it that you really want? You know, um, and what is your purpose? That kind of thing without, without putting too much pressure on yourself, really just, you know, what makes you happy? Um, you start to get into this issue of procrastination, but, um, yeah thanks for the intro as i said it 's a pleasure to be on your show i 'm sure we'll be talking about you know more than just this idea of procrastination um, and in future shows, we could tackle some other meteor issues. But I just want your audience to know it 's something I care deeply about. I care deeply about um, people 's happiness and i I honestly sincerely believe that all of our best days are ahead of us if we truly embrace the fact that um uh, you know we could become more consistent in our lives with who we want to be and the sooner we could do that the sooner that we all could do that the more happy we'll be and the more successful um will the things we'll achieve will will far exceed our imagination
1: that's terrific i appreciate that i <clears throat> i embrace that philosophy as well because History is all about our personal history, and if we choose to learn from other people's histories is is really about learning and applying and believing that you can uh learn from those things and do something different and do something better with your life so uh appreciate that so I know I've had the benefit of having a conversation with you and looking into your background a little bit, but i one of the things that I always find fascinating about successful entrepreneurs is you know, how did you get your original idea to go and start Pepper Jam? Tell us a little bit about the impetus of that. I mean, it was right at the – it was really kind of at the at the beginning of, of um, you know, the whole Internet world. So you were a leader, I would guess, sort of forging the mm-hmm. way, a maverick in that space. Uh, mm-hmm. How did you go about getting involved in that? And we'll talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about some of your specific experiences of those early days because I think I – I had said in my um in one of our our communications it's I think as mm-hmm. entrepreneurs go through an evolution of a business, there's the um you go through phases where you're just you're excited because there's so much that has to get done, and then you mm-hmm. get a little complacent as you get into some success and it's more success than you had imagined. But then, you know, there's all kinds of uh, things that can thwart you to come around the corner. If you, you know, you kind of coast, right. And obviously by building a company that eBay wanted to buy, you didn't coast. So Um, um, talk a little bit about the the history of Pepper Jam and your experiences there.
2: Yeah. So um, just to set the stage real quick, it was the late 1990s. Um, the 18 months prior to me founding the company um, with my brother Rick, um, uh, I was really obsessed with the Internet and how you know everything I was reading and everything that I was learning suggested that it was going to be incredibly disruptive and, and in a positive way, meaning that opportunity would come from what was about to happen and how the internet and I just really embraced that people do things. Um, and so I was, I was fortunate and, and a lot of that was available, you know, if, if you spent the time back then really kind of appreciating it and reading through it and, and looking, you know, sort of into the future. So I was the guy that, um, you know, would tell anybody that was willing to listen that the internet was going to change the world. So my brother called me in 99 1999, and said, hey, Chris, you keep talking about (laughs) the Internet. Why don't we start an Internet business together selling our our grandmother's gourmet food product, um, which we ended up calling Pepper Jam. And so I launched the website PepperJam.com in late 1998, and uh, I learned web development, and I went online and, in an obsessive way, went online and self-educated on everything I possibly could about um, how to successfully build websites and then ultimately how to generate traffic into those websites um, and then later how to monetize that traffic. But I was sort of an early adopter of things like, um, you know, different forms of search engine marketing like pay per click marketing. Back in those days, it was through a product called goto.com, which doesn't exist anymore. But uh, more recently, people will be familiar with like Google AdWords. That's a form of pay per click. I also became an early adopter and later an early expert in the the field of search engine optimization. But anyway, so we built this gourmet food company, Karen, and um, had an opportunity. We met a celebrity chef in New York City who took a liking to the product. He got our product on QVC, the home shopping station, but it took us literally 18 months, literally a year, year and a half from when he said, hey, I'm going to take you on QVC and we got accepted to actually going on air. And over that period of time, which was 1999 and in the early 2000s, I continued to build out the website. I started to interview, uh, basically build content on the website. I was interviewing celebrity chefs, among other things. And we started generating a lot of web traffic. And I said to myself, well, how can I make money beyond just the gourmet food business uh, and the gourmet food products?" So I got into an industry called affiliate marketing, um, and I learned how to, you know, monetize websites, generate traffic, then monetize. Um, So literally before we even went on QVC, I split the company into two, the gourmet food business and an internet marketing services and consulting business. And that's what I focused my time on the consulting and the marketing services. My brother focused on the gourmet food business. The gourmet food business continues to exist to this day you could go to the Internet and type in Grandma Jones's Pepper Jam, and you could probably find the product, you know, in many locations. But so over the next six or seven years, I set out to build a full-service Internet marketing company. So if you will, you hear people say, if you could only bottle that up and sell it, you probably would make a lot of money. Well, what I wanted to bottle up and sell was what I had learned about how to effectively market your business online. And I knew that more and more businesses would be coming online, you know, through the early and mid 2000s and of course the late 2000s and that they would need a professional company, both services and later technology to help them along the way. What I didn't know, even though I was ambitious was that pepper jam, this company that I had created would become uh, in its day, you know, one of the nation's leading uh, companies of its kind. Uh, And we won a ton of awards and had. An amazing time. And I got to do a ton of traveling and public speaking. I even wrote, uh, I've written several books, but I wrote my first book during that period of time. And um, yeah, I mean, it gained so much national attention that we were acquired uh, in 2009 and it's afforded me the opportunity to build an investment fund and now put money to work investing in in other uh, startups. So that gives you kind of a flavor for, for what I was, for what happened in my early, early career.
1: Yes. Okay. That's exciting. It's always, uh, you know, seeing an opportunity, stepping into it. That's really kind of what we're talking about. You know, people, entrepreneurs, and some of the other shows that we've done talk about seeing an opportunity, stepping into it, and taking the action, making the decision to go forward. So you started out with a food product company and saw an opportunity and shifted, and decided to go after something that not a lot of people understood at the time. So, you know, did you ever struggle with um, it being an idea that you want to do and it's sort of like you've two masters, oh, do I stay with this versus this other? Or, or how, did you ever struggle with that that can lead to that indecision that Napoleon Hill talked about that so many times towards
2: entrepreneurs? So I know we're going to dive into this, so I'll just I'll just attack it head on. Um, so the way the way that you take action in life is to start with the outcome. Um, so to to really remove the indecisiveness about what, what it is that you're truly going after in life, and and that could mean anything. When I was and I'll just give you the, the just the point. Uh, I'll get right at the heart of what why I did what I did. Um, uh, and by the way, as I've matured, my my goals and my outcomes for what I really want out of life have become different. But I was, you know, a late teenager, early twenties, and I, I, I really I came from nothing, you know, in terms of wealth and connections and that kind of thing. But I decided to write down goals because a lot of the personal development stuff that I was learning was about you know getting clear on your outcome and, and writing it down. You know, what is who do you want to be? What do you want to accomplish? And um, I wrote down that by the time I was 30 years old, and I was probably 20, 19, 20, 21 at the time, I wanted to be a millionaire. And, I, and, I, and, and, and probably at the time, it was for superficial reasons. You know, I wanted things because when I grew up, I didn't have a ton of things. But it was a goal nonetheless. And it was part of the reason that um, I, I took the initial action that I did. And so taking those initial steps of, you know, should I break off of the gourmet food business or not, to me really wasn't a hard decision because what I what I had learned was that, wow, you know, Chris, you're developing skills here that, um, so I, I started to monetize the gourmet food business website, but then I was like, well, if I could make, you know, $500 a month from this website, you know, what what if I had... Five of these websites, or what if I had a thousand? In fact, the goal that I made was it was an affiliate marketing goal, and I said, if I could make $50 profit from um, 2,000 different uh, businesses, 2,000 different merchants, then I could become a millionaire. I literally, Karen, I literally wrote it down and I figured it out. I actually I went on in the early to mid-2000s. I actually traveled around the world giving this presentation about how to make money. The way you make money in in, in my early formula was, number one, find something that works. Number two, replicate it. And then number three, scale it. And the replication process is really where where the the meat of my presentation was, where you get into – you know, you get away from just novelty. Oh, this worked once and you replicate it. And then once that happens, then you kind of put the fuel on it. And and so I knew my outcome. I achieved my outcome, by the way, that, that million dollar idea. I've, I look at money much differently now, 15, well, geez, 19 years later, but, um, but I achieved that goal at like 23. I made my first million dollars by the age of 23. Would I have ever done that if when I was 19 I didn't set the goal of being right. a millionaire by the time I was 30? Probably not. And now if you saw my list of goals, what's stretching me, what's driving me every day, they're around giving opportunities to my three children. It's around giving back, contribution to my community. You know, it's, it's doing things and making time available at this stage of my life to, to really make a big impact you know, and, and I'm really clear on it. And I, and I, and every single day of my life, I, I think about it and and the decisions I make, which I know, you know, get, get into this issue that Napoleon Hill brings up of procrastination. Really the way that you address procrastination head on is by, by asking yourself, what is it that you really want? You know, and, and, and don't be you know if if for the listeners if if it's material stuff, it's okay if you don't have material stuff, I know it's you know not popular to be driven by that stuff, but the reality is if you don't have it and you want it, it's what you want and once you get it, you may say, "Well, jeez, this isn't as great as I thought it was, but you know what? if it's what you want, it's what you want. get clarity around what you want, and then you say to yourself, you know well hopefully there's a bigger purpose to this all." You know, you, you, maybe maybe I want to have a million dollars because if I have children, I don't. I want them to go to private school, or I want to be able to, to to buy a bigger house, or I want to be able to. Something I did almost ten years ago is I said to myself, I want to be able. My mother gave me everything that I ever could have wanted as a ch- as a child, even though we didn't have much. I want to buy that woman a home one day, and I want it to be her the perfect home for her ranch-style home, one floor so she doesn't have to walk upstairs. Well, I did that 10 years ago because I was really clear on what I wanted to do with money. So anyway, the purpose thing is really important. So number one, ask what, what is it that you want? Number two, what is your purpose? So you got to dive a little bit deeper there. Once you get clarity on that, the third step is to capture – I mean, there's different ways of doing it. I use a program called Rapid Planning Method. It's a program by Tony Robbins. Um, it, it, it's a couple hundred dollars. It's a like a 10 or 11 day DVD course. Um, I've, I've gone through the training on this multiple times. Um, but what it allows you to do is it allows you to compartmentalize, if you will, from a planning standpoint, you know, uh, w- what it is that you decide to do on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis, whatever it is. Um, for me, I don't much quarterly and, and, and annual planning. I really just plan out week to week to week. And so the, you know, once, once you go through the, the programming, you figure out what you want, and you, and you decide you know, what it is that you really want to accomplish with your life, then this is the struggle. This is the struggle that we all have. There's so much to do. Everybody wants your time. There's so many opportunities. How do you decide where do you spend your time? Well, I'm going to tell you where you decide to spend your time because you've already spent – the time ahead, well, you've already spent adequate energy ahead of time, deciding what you really want, and who you want to be. And so when you write, literally write down on a piece of paper, all the things that you have to do over a given week, a given month, and you say, which are the ones that are most important? And I do this every week, and I've never missed for years. I know it sounds crazy, like I have intense OCD or whatever, and I probably do have a form of it, which is completely fine because I think we're all normal um, regardless of who we are. But the fact remains, you write down what it is, the opportunities before you. And then, so he uses, he calls that capturing. Tony Robbins calls it capturing. And then once you capture, you look for related things, you know. So he calls it chunking. So you, what, what the process really, is is to make uh, connections between related things so that you could you could accomplish you know um, multiple things with one. But once you go through that, so it might be meetings, you know. That it might be, you know. I I'm, I'll be honest with you. I've scheduled everything from sending my wife flowers to two. I I take a two hour block of time and say I'm going to actually you know pull my son out of school and I'm going to I'm going to take him to the movies because I want more you know, time with him. I've done that to take him fishing, among other things, because obviously that's one of the purposes in life is to have a really, really engaging, rewarding relationship with my children. So um, so that's how you do it. The end result is that as you go through this process of getting more clear on what it is that you want out of life, it becomes much easier to take that first step. But that's the final, once you capture... That the next step is to actually schedule, schedule slash take action. You can't keep it in your head. You've got to take that first step. You've got to put it on your calendar. So for me, Google Calendar is is critical to my productivity. Um, once I decide that I'm going to do something, I schedule it and I do it. There's no question about it. You know, I'm not the type of person that pushes things off. I, you know, I I, I schedule that block of time and then and then that just becomes um, you know what i w- you know what I do at that particular point in time in the future, oh, so anyway, that gives you the flavor, so we took on the procrastination thing and and I really believe that that's the key. The key is getting clear on what you want in life.
1: you know, I appreciate so much your sharing that insight, I guess about four minutes left in this segment. but the thing that I love about having um successful folks like yourself on this show is that so many times. As entrepreneurs, we'll sit in an audience or we'll read a book, and you know the principles that Napoleon Hill, or Tony Robbins, or T. Harv Eker, or you think about all of the names that you hear of people that have put forth success principles. They're very similar, right? Mm-hmm. And we have great intentions to buy that book, go to that seminar, do something, and apply it. But sometimes it we get it gets lost in translation. And what you've just done is. Break it down into this real world. You know, you, how do you, the old saying of how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So people look at set <laughs> big goals, you know, be a millionaire by the age of 30, and then they'll just drink or buy my mom a nice house, but they don't break it down into those actionable items. And that's exactly what you described doing. And you made it very clear and simple how people can apply that and do that and start doing it today. Correct. So I appreciate that. We have about a minute and a half left. I want to encourage people to go and read your articles and your blogs at chrisjones.com and that's with a K. And any other little tidbits or golden nuggets you would like to share with the audience before the show concludes?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean I I really appreciate that um I've had the platform. I mean, I I certainly have uh consumed a lot of uh of the time of the show talking about what I think is so critical Here's what I'll say in conclusion. Sometimes we get mixed up in our life between our personal and our professional ambitions. We, you know, this whole idea of work-life balance. Here's, here's what I want to quickly say about that. Once you figure out what it is that you really want in life, there should be very little difference between what you do in your work and in your personal life. And um, there's no problem with separating the two. Um, but But realize that, who you become ultimately is a matter of you believing that it's possible and number 2 taking the first step and and once you do that you know you start to set you start to live a life that you're passionate about and it doesn't matter what you're doing or where you are but it just feels right and and i hope your listeners could hear that in my voice and i hope that they take that first step towards feeling that way
1: Yes, I think so. I know um, you've inspired me, so... And I look forward to our opportunity of having uh, future conversations on the air and sharing some other insights because I think there's a lot that can be learned from your experiences, you know, the the old adage of uh, traveling the footsteps of the one that went before you, and, you know, the journey's easier, right? So I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today and share, you know, just the nuggets that we've done so far in this short time. And um, I always like to conclude the show with my phrase, onward and upward. So with that, Uh I'll uh, conclude the show. And thank you very much, Chris. Have a great day. Thanks, Karen. Bye-bye.